The year was 1519, a man by the name of Hernando Cortez, a Spanish conquistador, a warrior, a conqueror, an explorer, leaves the shores of Cuba to the Yucatan Peninsula. Under his command are 11 ships with 100 soldiers, 500 soldiers, 100 sailors, and 16 horses. They're going after the world's greatest treasure. Others have tried it, and they failed. They were defeated, they were conquered, they were killed. But Hernando Cortez has a different attitude as he goes after this treasure. He paints a picture for his men that their lives will be different, their country's lives will be different, that the treasure that they take from the Aztec army will literally change their country's economics forever. He lets them know how it's going to affect their family, how it's going to affect them when they take this treasure back home. And he's feeling pretty good about the, the endeavor until he gets wind that some of the men on the journey felt like that it was going to fail, felt like they too would go with the same fate of those that have tried it before them. And they wanted to turn around and go back home. So when Hernando Cortez reached the shores of the Yucatan Peninsula, he gathered his men together on the beach to give them a usual pep talk and give them instructions of what they were going to do. But then he says three words that would change history forever. He looks at his men and he says, burn the boats. What was that? Burn the boats. Burn our boats. Because when we go home with this treasure, we'll be going home on their boats. Or we won't be going home at all. So they did. According to history, the men burned the boats. And now all other options of remaining the same or going back the same was taken off the table. And something very interesting happened that day. His men fought really well. And they captured the treasure and they took it back to their country and to their families on their boats. And what made the difference? What gave them the victory? It was the commitment level. It was a commitment level that said there are no other options that I have available to me and I'm taking them all off the table. I'm burning them. There's only one outcome that I'm going to settle for and that's for life to be better, period. There's a very familiar story in Mark chapter 2 that I absolutely love and it's very much like this particular story of a commitment level and people's lives being at a greater level than that of average. And you can see it on the side screen. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, they couldn't bring him to Jesus. They couldn't bring him. They couldn't. They couldn't do it. They just couldn't do it. It's something they couldn't do, bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So, so they did. They couldn't. Wait a minute. But they did. They, they couldn't. Can't do it. But they did. This won't work. But it worked. I can't do it. Nobody else can do it. But they did it. They couldn't do it, so they did it. They dug a hole in through the roof above his head, and they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus, seeing their faith, seeing their faith, their faith. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of the law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus immediately knew what they were thinking. He asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? 
So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And Jesus returned to the paralyzed, turned to the paralyzed man and says, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. Let's pray. Father God, we want to say that. We've never seen anything like this before in our home, in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, in our finances. We want to say that. God, when it comes to me, my life here on this planet, I've never seen anything like this. Your level of blessings. Father, I pray that in this room today, there would be people who are no longer willing to let things stay the same. And they are willing to take all the options off the table and put one commitment level in place. It's going to get better because I'm not going backwards. And I ask this for the people in this room. This would be a life-changing day. And, Father, that we would leave here saying I've never seen anything like it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I'm on the floor with you today because I want us to dissect this passage of Scripture together. I want us to uh, start uh, with the fact that here is a man who's no longer willing to allow things to stay the same in their life. He's unable to move forward from this point. He's unable to move forward on his own. And after many years of just putting up with it, after many years of survival, just going through the motions of what life was like as a paralyzed man, a decision was made, a commitment level to a whole other level, a risk it all, an all or nothing at all, remaining the same is not an option kind of a drive that changes everything in this man's life. And I wonder, I wonder if you're there in any place in your life. I wonder if remaining the same is no longer an option for you in your marriage. I mean, I know that most of our marriages are good. I mean, I know that we can have a marriage, a relationship, where we're friends, we're partners, somebody's making a good living, somebody's providing, somebody's helping out. I mean, he does the outside yard work, you do the inside work. He'll cook dinner one night and you clean up. You cook dinner the other night and he cleans up. I mean, you've got a partnership going on. And it feels good and it's great and most people like to have your life. I mean, 80% of it's good. I mean, you're here at church and you look great. You're leaning in each other. You're holding hands. I mean, I can tell. I can tell what couples are really getting along this morning. I mean, here you are. You're leaning in. I can see that. Then I see other couples. You're, just kind of, you're leaning away from each other like saying, I know we're in church, but don't you touch me right now. You know what you said, and I'm not really over being mad at you. But you still could stand it to be better. I mean, it's been okay. Come on, it's been okay. 80%. But that other 20% that you're missing or probably he's missing or she's missing, You'd like to have that too, but after all, let's just get by with this. This is good enough. But is it? Is it good enough? The devil will always take that 20% that you don't have in a relationship and make it look more important than the 80% that you do have. And pretty soon you're trading the 80 for the 20, waking up with the 20, realizing you'll never get the 80 back again and feel like a complete fool. So is it good enough? I mean, it's good, but is it good enough? Will it be fixed one of these days if you'll just decide no matter what it takes, we're going to fix this broken relationship and we're going to put back into this relationship what you need and what I need in it no matter what because we're not doing life this way anymore. Or maybe it's finances. You're just sick and tired of being broke. Sick of it. Christmas rolls around every year and you tell the kids, well, maybe in January when we get the credit cards cleared, then we'll be able to buy. Really? Are you not sick of that? Or the bills come and you can't pay all the bills at one time. You don't have enough money left over. You had not been able to afford a good vacation in who knows how long. 
I mean, the best vacation you can think of is Mac. Let's just go to Mac. We'll, we'll throw a tent up in Mac. I said that in the first service, and a young lady came up to me and said, Pastor, I live in Mac. I said, I'm sorry. When you live in Mac, you vacation in Loma, what do you do? But the truth is, there's nothing wrong with that. And if you're good with it, you're good with it. But what if you're not? What if you're sick of it? What if your truth is, you're saying, it's not just good enough for me to survive anymore. We're living on this level. We want to take it to another level. We want to be blessed on a whole other level. And staying the same isn't an option for me anymore. In this marriage and our finances and my spiritual walk, it's sporadic. It's hit and miss. I'm not seeing any great moves of God going on in our life, and I don't feel his presence in our home, and I'm done with that. We're going to take it to another level because I refuse to remain the same. This man tried, was tired of the things, way things would always been in his life. So he made an old, a whole other commitment, and that commitment caused him to develop a relationship with some friends. Now, don't miss this part of the story. The whole purpose of this story was to get this man to Jesus. Okay, well, it was to get him well, to get him healed. No, it wasn't. It was to get him to Jesus. They didn't know what exactly was going to happen. There was no guarantee. What was a guarantee was things would change if they could get him to Jesus. So the friendships developed for one purpose and one purpose only, get this man close to Jesus, right? So here's the question. These were bold, problem-solver kind of people. Maybe you have men or women in your life who know how to get things done. They were compassionate. I mean, they were doers of the word. They were not just talkers, and they were people of faith, friends of faith, friends of faith. The Bible says that when Jesus saw their faith, he healed the man. And here's a very important question, and I want you to deal with it this morning. Who are you running with? Who are you running with? What kind of friends do you have in your life? Here's some questions for you concerning your friends. Are they people who love your God and want to please him first and foremost more than anything else? Let me tell you why that's so important. You deal with that. Because if your friends don't love your God, that could be one reason why you are not happy in life. You say, wait a minute. My friends not loving God means that I might... And what difference does it make, Pastor, what we do on Friday night or Saturday night with my friends? What difference does it make who I have coffee with on a Tuesday morning? Who, that, who cares what women I call and we talk to or gripe with on a Thursday about our husbands or about whatever? Who, what difference does that all make in this big spectrum of things? Why would that involve my happiness level? Because the Bible said, blessed, happy is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the what? The ungodly. You will never be happy in this life if you are receiving counsel from people who do not know your God. And you know why you won't be? Because you're not being loyal to God. Here's the truth. If you don't like Anna, I don't like you. You say, well, Pastor, you don't even know me. All I got to know is one thing. Do you like my wife? If you don't, don't like you, don't care to ever like you. Because one factor's involved here, my loyalty with her, and you better be loyal to her and like her, or I'm not going to like you. Now, you better like my God. Here, here's the second part of that. I'm not going to like you. Here's the third part of that. I'm not listening to you either. Well, I got great advice, and I'm a wise person. I could care less what you say or what you think. Because I want my God to know I am loyal to him way more than what I ever may get out of you. Does that make sense? And God says, oh, yeah, jump on in with that. God says, happy is the man, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel 
of the ungodly. Do your friends have a relationship with God? Is he first and foremost in their life? Here's the second question about your friends. Do they really love you and desire God's best for you? Or would they really rather just keep peace with you by telling you what you want them to tell you? Third question. Do they respect the sanctity of marriage and family? Do your friends respect the sanctity of marriage and family? Here's the fourth question. Is serving God and doing his kingdom work their top priority for themselves and their top priority for their life? You see, God puts some people into your life for a reason and some people he will put into your life for a season. And if I did not just describe your friends, then your season with them might be coming to an end, and it needs to. You see, you can't keep connecting with people because they make your dysfunction seem normal. It's not normal. It's only normal because you're running with people that are as screwed up as you are. I don't want to be around people who are limited in the same area where I'm limited. I want to be around people that are not limited in the area where I'm limited. So I might be able to grow in areas where I need to grow. And this is their breakout moment. This man finally gets connected with the right kind of people. He has the right kind of support. These guys are all about getting him to God. I mean, they are on their way. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And then, wham, he runs into a wall. No way to get him to Jesus. They can't do it. They can't do it. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I mean, this is commendable. This is a good idea. This will make everybody happy. I mean, if we could do this, this will fix everybody around me. It will make everybody's life better. And wham, why in the world would I run into a wall? When I'm just trying to make things better in my home, my finances, my family, why is this so difficult? And they hit this wall and they go, hmm. 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 See, people that will run into an obstacle and go, hmm, are also saying, Going back is not an option. I don't want people in my life to say, well, Pastor, that was a good idea, but it didn't work. That must not have been God's will. Well, we'll give it a try another time. Good college effort on that one. Let's just do it another. No, no, no. We're not going backwards. We got an obstacle. And these guys went, hmm. Now, the Bible doesn't tell me how they got through this challenge. There's no description. we got four guys and a guy on a mat. I don't know if anybody brought a survival kit. I don't know if anybody had a rope. I don't know what they had. The Bible doesn't say. But all I know is that when they saw it, hmm. Let me ask you, how do you think they got to the top of the roof? I'll give you a minute. Okay, how many of you thought a visual picture in your head just came out? Well, maybe they got had some rope, and maybe they tied the guy, and maybe two of them climbed the wall. Maybe it wasn't a brick wall, but maybe it was a stucco wall, or maybe a thatch kind of a wall. They climbed up, and maybe somebody did a Spider-Man act and got up there real good. Maybe they had a really fit guy, or maybe somebody, you know, was real resourceful, had a rope. They tied the rope. How many of you pictured in your mind scenarios how they got the guy up the wall when I asked you to? Would you raise your hand? Okay, put him down. How many of you did not because truly your mind is too tired trying to work on fixing somebody else's problem right now? Raise your hand. You fit in that category. Because everybody does. You're either going to, and this will tell me how quickly you're going to get your deliverance. 
you'll either walk into a problem and go, ah, let's focus on a couple of solutions here. Or you'll walk into a problem and focus on the problem and never get the solution. It's a mess. It's bad. I don't know what we're going to do. Nobody's ever done this before. I don't see anybody else up there on that roof. Never been climbed. I don't think it can be. Or, hmm, huh, I couldn't get them there, but, but they did. I can't do it, so I'll do it. I can't do it, but, but I'll do it. I can't find a woman at my age. There's not any good ones out there. So you find a woman at your age because there's a lot of good ones out there. Can't do it. All men are creeps. I hate them all. They're all the same. Be alone the rest of my life. Can't, but you did. Sure, you run into a brick wall when you're doing what you're trying to do. And it doesn't mean that God's not going to bless you. It just means that when he blesses you, he's going to train you and condition you while he's giving you the outcome. This is my burn the boats moment. At the risk of further damage, at the risk of total embarrassment, at the risk of rejection due to my boldness and messing up what this organized meeting is happening. I'm not leaving here the same way I came in. I'm not leaving here the same way I came in. Hmm. This is what I picture in my mind as I read the story. Four guys on a mat. I mean, one guy on a mat, four guys around him. And somebody gets a rope. Somebody, you know, climbs up the wall. They throw the rope down. They tie two corners, two corners. Two guys are on. Two guys are below. They're lifting, they're lifting. They're pulling, they're pulling. And maybe they're tying them all. They're wrapping the rope around because we don't want to fall off and get more interest. And maybe they're tying them to the mat and they're pulling them up and he's kind of going up the wall this way. But he's banging against the wall and everything's going on. There's no real, no, no matter how I look at it, this is going to be a rough ride for that guy. Have you ever noticed that when you're closest to your answer, the problems become more difficult. I used to think when I was in my 20s, woo, when I'm in my 40s, I'm going to be twice as smart, twice as wise, and everything's going to be twice as easy. And the questions got harder. And the challenges got bigger. And then I thought, well, in my 50s, woo, then I'm going to be able to figure it all out. Life's going to be easy. Toughest decade so far. I don't see it getting any easier. Hmm. These guys lowered this man, tore off the roof. I, I, like, I like that. They tore the roof up. Who does that? I'm sure one of them said, I'll put a roof like this together. I know I can come apart. Okay, you're on that job. I don't know about you, but I'm getting too old not to have some tear it up people in my life. This thing's broke, well, let's just tear it up. Let's tear it up, bring it all apart, let's see what, put it back in, let's put it all back together. But if we got to tear it up, let's tear it up, because I'll tell you what we're not going to do, we're not leaving it the same. And they lower him. Watch this, because we're dissecting the story. And the closer this man gets to Jesus the further away he gets from his friends. You see, sometimes all we can do is just get somebody closer to Jesus. I can't fix this man's problem. I can't make him walk. I can't make the mat go away. I can't make his life better. 
But if I can get him to Jesus, his relationship with me is not going to fix him. But if his relationship with God doesn't fix him, then that relationship doesn't work. So here's my dilemma with a grown child or with somebody I love. I can't fix you, but I can get you closer to Jesus. And as I get you closer to Jesus, if it means you've got to get further away from me so that you can have a one-on-one contact with him that will change everything in your life, then so be it. But parents who are still trying to fix a grown adult child, you can only get them to the one who can. Stop trying to fix them yourself or you're going to be broke before you're ready to retire. And somebody my age ought to go, thank you, thank you, Pastor. I appreciate that. I'm not sending that deadbeat another dime. Right? Their commitment level. People who overcome things in life don't overcome them because they didn't have obstacles or because their life was easy. They overcame them because they were tenacious. Oh, you hit me with this, I'll hit you with that. You throw this at me, I'll throw that at you. You punch me here, I'll I'll punch you there, kick you there. But you're not winning and I'm not quitting. And you know how I'm not stronger than you? I'm not better than you. I'm not smarter than you. But you're going to run out of energy trying to figure out that I'm going to outlast whatever it is that's coming my way. That's my level of commitment. We're going to outlast this. We're going to outlast this season. We're going to outlast this emotion. We're going to outlast this feeling. We're going to outlast this obstacle. Because me remaining the same any longer is not an option. I believe this. I truly believe this with all of my heart. There's not a problem that you'll ever have in this life. Marriage, money, finances, health, physical, relationship, mental, emotional, whatever it might be, that will not be fixed. If you would just get an all-out, sold-out, fully committed, wholehearted encounter with God. Anything, Pastor? Jeremiah 29, 11. Take a look. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans to good and not disaster. The Bible says plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen, God says. If you look for me, what's the word? You will find me. I will be found of you, says the Lord. And I will end your what? Where you're stuck. I'm going to put an end to what's had you stuck. Where you feel, where you live, what you think, what you do. I'm going to put an end to where you've been stuck. And then he says, and restore your what? Restore your what? I'm going to end where you've been stuck and move you forward to fortunes. I'm going to end where you've been stuck and move you forward to everything that has been taken away. Why? Because you wholeheartedly went after me and a wholehearted, sold-out God encounter. Just one will change everything. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment?
There are people in here who got boats they need to burn. Options on the table that no longer need to be there. This marriage is going to get fixed. You know why this marriage is going to get fixed? Because we don't have another option. We're going to fix what's broken in this marriage. We're going to address it, talk about it, deal with it. We're burning the boats on all other options. We're going to fix it. We're going to fix these finances in this home, this rattly little old financial problem that we're having. I'm sick of it. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired and broken poor. We're going to partner with you, God, and it's going to be risky and scary, and I'm going to do it, and the first 10% is coming to you. We're going to do something. We've complained about it and griped about it and didn't understand other people did it. I'm sick of it. I have no other options. I'm going to partner with you, first 10% to you, doing everything that I can do and watch what you do back for me. No other options. Burning the boats. Burning the boats. How many of you feel like you've been stuck in an area? You've been stuck in some area of your life. You just raise your hand, just slip it up. I've been stuck, I'm stuck, I'm, I'm stuck. Burn the boats. Ladies and gentlemen, burn the boats. I'm not doing life the same as I've done it before. So this has got to fix. And the way to fix it, I promise you, please, God, hear me. I promise you, the way to fix it is a serious, all-out, fully committed, wholehearted encounter with God. It'll revolutionize a marriage. Turn your finances around. Fix any and every problem in your life. Give you your heart's desire. And every Sunday morning, guys, is a God encounter opportunity. Every Sunday morning, you can come and play church, sing the songs, skip through the songs, sporadically hit and miss. It's not as important to me. Or you can have a God encounter that risks embarrassment, that risks relationships, And it points to your God and said more than anything else, I am loyal to you, my Father. And he will change everything. You got some boats you need to burn? Raise your hand. Got some boats you need to burn? Raise your hand. Got some boats you need to burn? Options are now off the table. Other options are now off the table. Other options are now off the table. Father, it is in the powerful name of Jesus we come to you this morning. We love you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for the message. Thank you so much for your word, God. And Father, on behalf of every person in here, we draw close to you. We love you. We praise you with all our heart, our mind, our body, our soul, our strength. You are the most important person in my life. And if I need to get other friends out of my life that aren't loyal to you, they're out. They're gone. But people around me that want to get me closer to Jesus. People that won't make my dysfunction look normal. People that are not limited in the same areas where I'm limited. And Father, turn it all around today. Because I'm not going through the rest of my life the same. That is no longer an option for me. 
Free me where I've been stuck. And restore my fortunes to me. Because God, I'm tucking into you. And I'm not going anywhere else. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Did you give the Lord a hand this morning?